So we are going to be talking about the, I was about to say classic, but I don't know that it's classic to anybody but Nick. How dare uh, you? <laughs> How dare you start off on such a sour note? It's why, not sour. Why it's are not... we even here? This is Fandom. I am Brandon Ushio. I'm Nick English. And I'm Taylor Iverson. We're going to be talking about Anchorman, which is the film about Ron Burgundy, a news anchor starring Will Ferrell, uh, stars as a 1970s news anchor. So I mean, mean, clearly, did you not see the dress that they were wearing at the beginning of the movie? No, I didn't see the dress. I noticed all the misogyny, though. Yeah, well, no, 100%. What are your first memories of Anchorman? Just Nick quoting it all the time. Never seen it before until just barely. The first time I ever watched it was this weekend. I watched it preparing for this show because if we're going to talk about it, I need to have seen it. And I'm, I'm watching it. I'm like, maybe I have seen this before because this is all really familiar. And then about halfway through, I realized, oh, no, I've never seen this before. I've just heard every single one of the lines that Nick has <laughs> slipped into casual conversation somewhere. And you didn't even know it. And that is my superpower. And to be honest, like, it does mean a lot to me that you say that because it means you're actually listening. So thank uh, you, Brandon. Whether I want to or not. <laughs> Nick, when was the first time that you came to Anchorman? I'm glad you asked this question. I'm glad because I can tell this story. Lena's my wife, and this was this was a very early date that we went on. We went to a dollar movie. I remember this. And it was really late showing because it was during a time when you're in your relationship and you you just you just don't want to be away from each other ever and you stay up too late and you don't leave and you stay on the phone a little bit too long because you don't want to say goodbye. And so we said, we don't want to go home and go to sleep. Let's go to a movie at like 1130 at night. So we went, there was probably six people in the theater. I 90% sure she fell asleep because we were sitting next to the wall and I, and I remember I felt the exact same way I felt after I went and saw Napoleon Dynamite, where I was like, that movie was weird. It was all right. It was funny. I mean, it was entertaining. Great. Okay. That was fun. And Lena woke up and we went home and made out and then went went to sleep. <laughs> and then, like, the next week, I was just, like, thinking about the movie and then... Somebody would say diversity or somebody would say there's so many lines in the movie, right? And it would just trigger my I like, instant. I like when you're trying to quote one, you can't think no, of a single well, one. But when we're just talking, they all come out. Well, that's what I'm talking about. If somebody says a cue, then I can turn it on. <laughs> and it just, it started like accumulating over time. Whereas just like somebody would say, what's love? And I'd be like, yeah, what's love, Ron? What's love, Ron? What's that? But it, and somebody's just quoting what is love and i think of anchorman instead of <laughs> the song and so it just became more and more a part of my life and then it became more and more funny to me because these lines are just so absurd and so quotable and then because i just love quoting things if people catch the joke with me, it's just, it brings me so much joy. And so, like, it just accumulated over time. This movie was definitely from a different time. Who is the ideal audience member for Anchorman? High school to college kids that 
are inappropriate. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of feel like it's in the same vein of like Dumb and Dumber and Tommy Boy and like Strange Brew. And I mean, if we go back even further, like the let's Revenge of the Nerds or whatever, like they're just stupid comedies that when you're young and you're like, oh, I'm I'm a teenager now. I can go see kind of a little bit more racy, dirty movies or something like that. Whatever brand you want to treat to. But like, you're just like, I'm going to go see something silly like Billy Madison. But like these shows, you're like, oh, my gosh, they're so funny because it came at a time in your life when like that sort of stuff was hilarious. Like even watching it again this week, I would probably not love if I saw it for the first time in my 40s. I would just be like this show is just silly. Like this ju- I mean it's just kind of s- stupid, but there is a nostalgia to it. There are a lot of shows that can break that gap because they're really intelligent, they're smart, or they'll talk about something that's actually like really important and like have more of a deep meaning. And and Anchorman certainly isn't that, but it does have an underlying message if you want it to like like misogyny is <laughs> stupid but then like if you really want to find meaning in something and and everything has to have a meaning for you you can the meaning of that like everyone should have a dog because your dog will save no, you yeah like 100 <laughs> percent. that's what honestly that was the most heartwarming part of the movie for me i was like and that's why i adopted my dog <laughs> but like i want to speak to like because I feel like you really explained how maybe I feel about this movie as I watched it and I went, I feel like there was a time where I would have liked this movie a lot more and where I would have thought that this was super funny, where I still think there were really funny parts and there were parts that did make me laugh out loud. But for the most part, I sat through the movie going, this is really stupid. <laughs> sure. But I also watched it and it very much did give me like Napoleon Dynamite vibes. Where I'm like, I feel like maybe if I would have seen it back when I saw Napoleon Dynamite and I thought, wow, that's crazy hilarious. This is a really funny movie that maybe I would have felt differently. So let me ask you this question. So Nick says, hey, there's a really good message to be shared here. And the message that I'm sure Nick was getting at was that misogyny is bad. At what point does the message get completely destroyed by the fact that you are making casual jokes about the thing that is problematic? Because now what's going to happen is some stupid college kid who doesn't understand anything but thinks he's the smartest guy in the world because let's face it all college kids we were all like that at one point we all knew everything until the world smacked us in the face they're going to be all like this is a funny joke and i'm going to tell it not realizing how joking about workplace sexual harassment and misogyny it could be very triggering for people. Like I'm kind of surprised that Taylor actually made it all the way through without being like, this is dumb. This is a testament to me about how much she actually likes you and you and I, Nick. I mean, I will admit the first time I tried to watch it, I did fall asleep maybe 15 minutes in to which my boyfriend said at some point I said, was that a snore or a laugh? And then you just didn't respond. And so I turned (laughs) off the movie. (laughs) I will say I finished it today. And I had a really hard time, like, wanting to finish it and being engaged enough. And I feel like the parts that were funny to me, like, they, it wasn't enough for me to say that it was worth it. <laughs> You're the one with the social work background here. 
Is it, am, am I up in the night? Am I being some PC social justice warrior by being like, you can't make jokes about this because then it normalizes making jokes about this. Am I up yeah. in the night or is this, is that a real thing? No, I think that's definitely a real thing. I feel like, I mean, I think obviously as we, we evolve, we like realize things are more problematic. And I feel like misogyny wasn't even like the only problematic thing <laughs> that they made jokes about. There was like some subtle racism, some subtle homophobia, like some not so subtle racism <laughs> like there <laughs> there was somewhere i was like oh we don't do this anymore and we know that this is not funny like and it just felt like a lot of like cheap comedy versus stuff that really was earned that i felt like was funny without having to be problematic like the baxter stuff that that was hilarious yeah there I was stuff that. that was so funny that didn't perpetuate any stereotypes or didn't make light of things that are like super serious or didn't be like, this person has an accent, and that's what makes it funny. Um, <laughs> they told me I couldn't get an interview with this bear because he would literally rip my face off. That is so, a very compelling story. I mean, you've got Ben Stiller being the face of Univision. <laughs> I mean, the face of a, a Spanish evening news. Yeah. 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 So, yeah I, I mean, mean you know, like when I saw that, I was like, really? You couldn't cast? A Latino that was a comedian, like I'm sure there's yeah. probably a lot of them. Like, but, but that your mind never went that way when you saw that in 2004. Yeah, but yeah, and that's 2004. Yeah, I think it's like, which I think isn't an excuse. I think, I, get, I think it's just like so interesting that I, I definitely like with a 2021 lens of watching this movie was like, this would not fly. Like so much of this would not, this movie would not be made today. I don't think it would have. I don't think they would have made it past the pitch. <laughs> well, and and I mean, you guys haven't seen Anchorman 2, <laughs> but they do address it in that show because that show was made, I don't know, 10 years later? I mean, it, yeah, that's it, about right. It, it was made quite a bit later, and it was just because the character Ron Burgundy became like a cult favorite yeah right like the idea that there is this guy that lived in the 70s thought that he was everything and anything and was completely clueless right i i, I don't think that's why people love him though well, i think that there's a lot of okay that's not why everybody loves him some people probably love him for that reason if you do i want to hear from you but i think there's a lot of people who loved him because oh man the good old days where boys could be boys and, and we ran the workplace and maybe that's so, but like there is now the Ron Burgundy podcast, which I subscribe to, listen to every episode, and they make it very clear that he has no idea and he is completely out of touch. Yeah. Like, I guess for me, it is not, it is not like they definitely have taken the character and made it so that he is like making fun of people that think that way because he still does and he has to kind of learn and grow and be like wait i can't act this way anymore like and even the be at the very beginning of the second movie he is on the evening news and they hear that harrison ford is going to retire on the big broadcast news and they're like we're going to go up you know he's been doing it for 35 years and oh my gosh i think he's going to ask me he's going to ask us to do the news tonight and we're going to make it big 
And Harrison Ford walks up to him and looks at Veronica and says, you're going to be the new face. And Ron, you're fired because you're the worst anchorman that's ever been. And he's like, name one thing that I've done that's been bad. And then they just go through bloopers of him like swearing on and just doing all of the most unprofessional things in the world. And like, that's the beginning of the next show is like he he thinks that he's like going to get promoted because he's so good. And Veronica gets the job and he doesn't you're telling me anchorman 2 is a must we can talk about that too like i it's not a great movie but like i see what they were trying to do with it so i guess something that i feel like really rubbed me the wrong way was that so much of the humor was look at these men that are really bad isn't that funny and i didn't think for the most part that that was funny because I feel like it hit a little too close to home where I'm like, no, there are really men that are that bad or that think that way. And I don't think that that's a thing that is so much of the jokes were, yeah, like here's these newsmen that are not nice, not good, not aware of how they impact other people. And to me, like, I'm like, that's not, that wasn't enjoyable for me to watch for the most part. That wasn't something and I do like that does make me worried of like people seeing that and thinking that, well, that's just funny. And so then it's OK to act that way or to say those things if I'm doing it because it's funny. And I would say most people probably grow out of the phase or they 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 run into some world. Yeah, there's something there's something that slaps them in the face that says this is not OK. I know you think it's OK, but it's not. And so most people will grow out of that. But there is a subset of these people who watched it just at the right time where it was in the cultural zeitgeist and thought it was hilarious. And I'm not saying you, Nick. Like, don't get me wrong here at all. You quote the movie for comedic effect and you don't quote the the misogynistic parts. I, I don't I don't know that I've ever heard you quote the misogynistic well, and part. To, and to be honest, like that's not the funniest part. I mean, there are times there are times when I will quote something that is them, like when they're like trying to pick him up, I want to like, I mean, Sex Panther is one of the funniest things to me, <laughs> like ever. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make any sense. But that joke's not necessarily about misogyny. It's 60% yeah. of the time, it works every time. Well, and I think, like, yeah. Nick, what I want to say too is like, I think given a different circumstance, I could have been like with Nick on the same level of like, this movie's hilarious, this is super quotable. And I think like it does have some really funny parts. And I still think like the comedy at some points in the movie is super well done and super well written. I just think like, I think it's one of those things where, like you said, Nick, there's nostalgia in place. I mean, that was probably one of the most happy times of my life. I met this girl who loves me and like we started dating and eventually we got married. And it was at the beginning of our relationship that like this was something that we shared. And it was something that we shared throughout our entire relationship because i would quote it when she would quote it and became part of our inside jokes and and stuff there's nothing wrong with feeling that nostalgia as long as you also i think can have like a critical eye as long as you can like say those things like hey there's some things that might be a little problematic like this is something that i still like enjoy and has like a really like close place in my heart and like brings back good memories, but also like there, yeah, there might be some things to consider that aren't great. I think that happens with so much of like, you look at the movie Greece where you're like, I loved Greece growing up. I, 
yes, I love that movie. I love like the soundtrack. I remember watching that at sleepovers and thinking this is the coolest thing ever. And I watch that now and I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's just so many things that are not good. And, but then there's still a part of me that goes, but I love Greece. I love that movie and I love watching it and I love singing the songs. And so I think, I think sometimes like there's a place in fandom where we have to find that we have to be able to acknowledge what's problematic, what isn't great, what maybe isn't acceptable and what we've learned and evolved away from and still being able to maybe have some positive feelings for it as well. Something that's kind of happened very similarly is that they just recently put the Muppet show back on Disney plus and people are freaking out because there's a content warning on it. And I mean, I've watched a couple of the episodes and I was like, Oh yeah, you don't know. You don't say that anymore. Like this is, like even on a children's show. And I remember very vividly there was, and I've talked about this show before on fandom. There was a show that was just called The Muppets and it was it was Miss Piggy doing a late night talk show. And Kermit was the producer. All the Muppets were the crew and then they would have a special guest on. And I remember the criticism that that show got and why it was canceled and why people said, I don't want to watch this show is because they felt that The Muppets was too adult. Like there were all these people saying, well, they're doing all of this adult content and all like it, it, the, the, it's too serious. Like the Muppets are fun and loving and stuff. And, and I just kept thinking to myself, have you watched the Muppets? They were very outspoken and they said a lot of things that they probably shouldn't have said and did say, but you were also 10. So you didn't know that that was a problem. You didn't have a critical eye and you haven't gone back and watched the Muppet show since you were 10 and then watched it and been like, Oh my gosh, that was a very misogynistic thing for them to do. Or, Oh my gosh, they shouldn't have said that about this, this race or creed or people or anything like, and so like you, you put these blinders on. And I mean, Lena says that same thing about Robin hood men in tights. It's like one of her favorite shows when she was a kid. And now she watches and she's like, this show is not appropriate for me to watch now. Like, and so like, yeah, in fandom, you, you, you have to you have to remember this like you have to at least before you go online and start getting really mad about how they're ruining your childhood you need to think about like you as a child like have a little empathy for yourself because it's certainly more now than you did when you were 8 10 12 18 25 40 could be 80 now for all and they're ruining jacks for me and when i was a kid they were made out of metal kids today are soft <laughs> i i could use lawn darts why can't kids nowadays use lawn darts i i don't know <laughs> like, i feel like me and nick have given quite a spiel on this what do you think no i the reason i'm not saying anything is because you guys are saying it great like there are problematic creators but you at some point you need to be able to separate the art from the artist and you need to be able to look at the things that bring joy to people and rightfully so sometimes things are problematic and they need to be acknowledged. I don't think that they need to be removed because if we never, if we remove all of our problematic past, then we never acknowledge it and we never learn from it and we never grow yeah. from it. But I, I, I have no problem with any, with any uh, media company putting a thing up before a movie or a TV show saying 
these views that may have been acceptable in the past were always wrong and we are leaving them in there for historical accuracy but some something more legal and smart than i can think up on the spot right yeah here. have you found have you found this personally with like any fandoms like of, oh yeah this is like going Lots off of, of anchorman a little bit but like revis- so orson scott card his book series are some of my favorite book series ever ender's game was pivotal in my youth it helped me to understand how to how to face things and i've talked about this on the podcast about how and it's, it's crazy because some of the things that i learned from his book series are completely antithetical to the things that he goes and says now. Yeah. So it's things like you need, if you have an argument or if you're in a battle with somebody, you need to understand the other person so much that you can have empathy for them. If you want to be able to win, which then all of a sudden it's hard to win, but like if it's what you have to do, it's what you have to do. I, so because of that, whenever I think that somebody is wrong, I really try hard to put myself in their shoes which then Orson Scott Card has come out uh, homophobic, transphobic, lots of issues with donating to organizations that that support conversion therapy, I believe was one of them. He's problematic. And I st- but I still love his work and I still I will read the books and and love them, but you're right. Like I, luckily for me, I have his books already. I'm not paying him any more money <laughs> to to enjoy his content again and again. So I think that's an interesting example because that's specifically like the creator is the problem. Where like versus with like Anchorman, more like it's act the actual content within like the thing that we're consuming is where there's some problematic things. Do you think like there's a difference and that warrants like a different reaction or a different response? Like versus of like, oh, you watch Anchorman. There's some jokes in there that are like, eh, versus like you're saying you read a book by an author who like the content is good, but also he as a person is maybe not doing good things. He, I mean, I'm going to yeah, go no, out I mean, and say that, he's a bad you, dude. You're right. Oh. You're, you're right. That is different. I probably will never watch Anchorman again. Like, sorry, Nick. I 100% no, honest fine. will probably never watch it again. I mean, I'm you've already to- seen it. Well, no, and I've been like wondering if there's something because I feel like I don't I mean, this isn't news to anyone that knows me, but I'm a real big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. And I feel like even like we can talk about like the Joss Whedon aspect of it. But I even just with me rewatching it, I'm currently rewatching it right now. And there's things in there that I'm like, that's not great. That joke was like racist or homophobic or like Xander in general as a character is kind of has that nice guy complex. And seems pretty entitled to Buffy (laughs) just supposed to being in love with him and thinks that he can just complain a lot because that's not happening. She's she's supposed to love him because. Yeah, because he's just there and he gets to be real mad that she's not interested in him. So I just like even things like that, where as a whole, I love that show and I feel like it has some really great messages. But that does not mean it is without things that I go, I don't like that. Uh, I mean, it it really depends on where you personally fall into different things and what it is that really has has come to the forefront of something's not right about that. For instance, Game of Thrones is the ultimate show that I should be into. It's got politics. It's got magic. It's got medieval times and nights. And it's got dragons. Like, that should (laughs) be my show. But it also has a whole lot of non-consensual sex and that I'm not okay with that. 
And so it was like, and not just I, non-consensual, like straight up rape. Straight up rape. <laughs> like, yeah. Like we can let's let's not sugarcoat it. Yeah. So I don't like I I I can't watch Game of Thrones for that reason. But that's not to say that if I were a younger me or a different me that didn't have those same sensibilities, although I don't know that I've ever not had that particular sensibility, but other sensibilities at least. I, yeah, I really hope you have always had that. Not to, <laughs> let's well, not sugarcoat that, that either. I know, I, I know a lot of really good people who watch Game of Thrones, and I don't, I'm not throwing shade on them. No, Nick. but even Nick, I think that like, I mean, this, sorry, we're going off on some really interesting conversations. I love this. I've missed you guys so much. I think like, if I can speak to like an example of this, like in, in Gilmore Girls, another one of my favorite shows, I recently watched this episode where there is a scene where two characters are making out and then he kind of pushes for it and she says, no, stop. And he continues to kiss her and then she says no stop i don't want to do this and he continues to kiss her and then finally she pushes him off and he says i didn't he says something along the lines of like i didn't ask you to come up here like you came up here on your own and she's like and she gets really upset and runs away and so i remember watching this scene years ago and being like oh yeah that's not cool but now i watch that scene and i go oh that's very much like a sexual assault that is him pressuring her to do something she's uncomfortable with and her saying no. And, and I don't think my mind understood that when I watched that as a 15 year old or a 14 year old, I think I just went that boy's being kind of, he's really uh, moody because he's upset that he got kicked out of school earlier in the episode. And that's why he's being rude to her. And so I do think there is a place where like, we will, if you want to talk about consent, if you want to talk about like sexual violence, like, there are things we're exposed to. I think that we don't code as that until we are older, until we are, we have those conversations about like what consent is. This is a really weird conversation to have based off of Anchorman. But, but, but I mean, it's the whole theme of Anchorman though. It's like you could use Anchorman as a master thesis on the lack of consent. Yeah. That it is like that. There are people that are going to watch those scenes and like not realize that, which I think is why like education about that stuff is so important and not like, putting out messages that, Hey, like you can just do whatever you want and it's funny. And women's bodies are for men to comment on or ogle or touch whether or not they want it. And so I think like, I don't know. And I think, uh, okay, I'm done. (laughs) Well, I do have to, I do have to say, and we're just going to bring it back to Anchorman. When I was trying to say there is an underlying message, that's, that's what I wanted to get to. I wanted to get to like, this is an example of like how, we thought as a society this was okay for a very long time. And even in Anchorman 2, Veronica leaves him, right? Like they they get married, and then like in the beginning of the second one, he cannot accept the fact that she got the job and they separate. And then Ron is out alone trying to date again, and he he can't. He can't nobody will even like pay him mind because he lives in this time bubble of like misogyny and he doesn't understand that like what he is doing is inappropriate and that's even like in a way the subject of the podcast like even he has a co-host who is a female producer and she's like ron you can't do these things anymore and he's like oh i'm sorry i'm sorry and then he kind of slips into it and slips out of it and 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 so like that's the joke is that he's this this guy that's trying to 
be progressive and trying to like learn that he can't do this stuff anymore. Let's look at Ron though, because I think that in his heart of hearts, he thinks he's a good guy, and that he and what he, he I would say that he is a good guy, but who just learned the wrong lessons from the world around him. Yeah, I just think that's so that is like one of the most dangerous things that like as someone who works with like in like sexual violent crimes and like deals with people who are sexual assault survivors. I will tell you of all the cases I staff, like there, I do not believe that most of the people that are the perpetrators, I don't think that they think that they've done something wrong and not because they're like, I mean, there are some that are completely like psychopaths that are like horrible people, but I think like it's because of this lack of education and a lack of like understanding of what is okay and what is acceptable and what is consent. And what is like checking in with your partner when you're having like interactions on a romantic level or really on any level. Like, I think that that, I don't think it's like these bad evil people that are monsters. I think, yeah, it's people who have been socialized and who haven't like been taught how to move through the world where they're not hurting people. So at the end of the day, I can see why people like this movie. And I could have seen myself in another age thinking this was a great movie, but I, my, my only thing that I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that you could have a problem with. I can forgive most of them because we can write it off to time period or nostalgia or all these things. The one thing that I can't forgive about this movie though, is the way that it ends. Ron Burgundy is a misogynist, a terrible person, all sorts of doing bad things. But at the end of the day, he gets the girl, he gets the job back. He's it's, it's all roses for Ron Burgundy at that point. And that is to me, this movie kind of glorifies misogyny. Yes. The team had issues and the team in there in the credits, this person was fired after such and such. And this part, but Ron good guy, Ron, it gets to be the hero and every because you don't if if you're watching that show you're not like i'm champ i'm that guy with the cowboy hat you're like i'm, oh, I'm brick no i'm brick oh well i can see that that that's another cheap joke that, oh i do have the, to tell i do have to tell you though that brick meets Kristen wig the love of his life in the second movie and that's worth it just for that this week's episode is brought to you by henry danger now streaming on paramount plus Teenager Henry Hart lands his part-time dream job as Kid Danger, superhero sidekick to Captain Man. Now, his mission is to protect the citizens of Swellview from mad scientists and giant toddlers, all while keeping his super identity a secret. But fighting crime and finishing your homework isn't easy. Luckily, he doesn't have to do it alone. He's got an awesome squad to help him solve his super-powered problems. So villains, beware. Seasons 1 through 4 are now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Try it free by going to fandompodcast.com slash Paramount. If you guys had to sum up this film in like one or two sentences, could you do that? Okay, mine is Anchorman is a movie that should have been an SNL sketch. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> That's what I got. And it kind of is now. <laughs> like, I mean, that's basically what the podcasts are. It's just an SNL well, and I sketch. Think that that, honestly, watching it, that's what I thought is like in shorter and like a shorter form, I feel like and picking out the pieces that like to me were like the funniest and the least problematic, like this is funny. But as a whole, I was like, oh, no, it's too much. <laughs> so it's I think Anchorman it would have been funnier as a sketch. 
on SNL. Well, and, and, and I mean, I love that you say that because that is the legend of, of Ron Burgundy, right? Like nobody, nobody that loves this movie as a cult classic says as a movie whole, it's a masterpiece. They say, I just really love this scene that is this sketch. Yes. Right. Exactly. Like I love this moment and it just makes me laugh hard so, every time. Yeah. This is worse than the time the raccoon got caught in the copier. Like just being able to say that, I just think about it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. Like it's just really funny that he put on this gasoline Sex Panther stuff, thought that it was going to work because 60% of the time it works every time. And now they're hosing him off in the back, comparing him to when the like, I, and it's Ant Man, right? Like it's Paul Rudd. <laughs> like it's just like, oh no, like that's I could talk all hilarious day to me. This cast was, I just kept being like, oh, 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 okay. And, One's in here. And like, here, Dorothy you. Mantooth is a saint. Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. Like just being able to think about just that moment. And then it's like, whoa, that escalated quickly. Brick, where did you get a hand grenade? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, okay. killed the guy with a trident. That got me so hard. I laughed so much. Like none of those things for me is like, like, and even when I was watching, I was like, oh, I, like, I knew the whole thing, but like when they're trying to hit on her and they're like, hey, sweet cheeks and blah blah blah, I was like, ooh, this is uncomfortable. Like, no, no, I don't like that. Like, and that's not the part that I quote. Like, that's not the part I think about, right? Anything that Ron Burgundy, anything you put on that teleprompter, Ron Burgundy will read. That is an SNL sketch, right? Like that just in and of itself is like, hello, I'm, you know, Ron Burgundy. You know, I'm Ron Burgundy? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, like, like that. I, I love that synopsis of it. And I love that sentence because it just makes so much sense. So bravo. Yes. The Bravo hand grenade you, really Taylor. got me. That That is one where I did I killed out. a guy with a trident. Yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. You might want to lay low for a while. And, <laughs> probably uh, wanted to murder. See, yes. and like, even me just saying it, you guys are laughing. Like, right now, you are laughing. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, even the scene of him just, like, holding the grenade where it came and it like panned out to, like, all their weapons and him is, he's just holding he's a just grenade. standing there yelling. It. I like completely lost it. I was like, he's holding a grenade. This is great. Like, and then the rules great. of it are no, no touching of the hair or face. That's the that, only rule in the fight. No, they just cut all them going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yep. That News is, that team is. assemble. We've been here the whole time, Ron. Oh, <laughs> like, like that's an SNL. Like that's just a sketch. That part yes. right now. And so, like, yes, I totally agree. This movie's not good. <laughs> we, we've broken but, this, was, this was the entire point of this podcast. Okay, we're done. Thank you for listening. We're going to end on Nick's thing. There are so Nick. many great moments in it. Like, it is good because of the sum of its whole, but like, oh, it's just. It's just so funny. Like my my sentence was going to be this, and I actually feel like it still is completely warranted because we have talked about how this show is so quotable. And I I mean I talked about how like I even thought that it wasn't that great of a movie when I first saw it, but then I just started thinking about examples that I just gave you, like those those moments of SNL, like that moment where like yeah the whole skit of of I've got a fever more cowbell is not that funny 
right? Like you watch it and it's really like the whole skit is not that funny. But once Christopher Walken says, I got a fever. You just cannot stop laughing just because of that moment. But it's actually not that funny for the majority of it. And I, and it makes sense to me that that movie is this way. And thank you for enlightening me. Taylor. You've just redefined his paradigm. But my, my sentence was, and it makes it even more fun. This movie quite simply might be the greatest quotable movie in the history of mankind. And if you do not agree with me, I will fight you. And that's no lie. (laughs) Was that a quote right there? Like, did you find a way to work a quote into that? Almost. I changed one thing. I changed one part of it because in Anchorman, he says, this composition might be the greatest in the history of mankind. And it's actually not from the movie. It's from the music video. (laughs) When there's a music video of all of the cast singing Afternoon Delight, and there's an entire music video of them singing Afternoon Delight. When he's like, what's love, Ron? What's love? They made a music video that's on the DVD extras. You can go and look at it on YouTube. It's really funny. It's actually really, it's really funny. And at the beginning of a beginning of that show, it has Ron Bur- at the beginning of the video. It has Rod Burgundy sitting in his Aquajet 9000 and enjoying his breakfast of waffles, chicken, and of course, scotch. And he says, this song just might be the greatest composition in the history of mankind. And if you don't agree with me, I will fight you. And okay, I knew no that lie. it had to have a quote from something in it because it's Nick. So it is yeah, related Nick. to the show, but because you guys have not consumed all the media of Anchorman in preparation for this podcast, I thought I would just bring it in. But that's where that quote comes from. I mean, I feel like watching this movie was worth it alone to maybe only slightly better understand what the hell Nick is talking about at any point. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> 100%. Okay, so here's my sentence. We've talked about it to death so we don't have to we don't have to uh, go over it anymore, but it's this movie is a masterclass in sexual harassment. Make misogyny great again. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. It's true. So, all right. Well, that is what we've got. Well, no, that's not what we've got. We've got so much more. So much more, in fact, that we're going to dive into the history of Anchorman in the next episode, because it is actually based off of a true story. There's a real guy involved. It even said that at the beginning of the show. I do remember watching this, my boyfriend going, that just said it's based on a true story. And he happened to look away right at that moment. And he he said, did it? I think that's a lie. (laughs) So (laughs) I would be glad to report to him. It is not. If you know any Anchorman super fans, send them over to fandompodcast.com to follow the show and tune into the next episode to learn all of this history so that when somebody says Anchorman is just a silly comedy that's out of touch with the times, you can be like, no, it's a historical document. Until next time. You stay classy, fandomaniacs. When in Rome. I don't really know what that means. May the fandom be with you. Hi, I'm Eddie. I run a comic shop and publish my own comic strip. And I'm Roger, and I run a comic shop and my very own Comic-Con. And I'm Joe, a lifelong fan who does all the real work to make our show go. 
Every week, we'll discuss the newest insider info that you won't get from your favorite comics and talk to some of our favorite creators and publishers. So come take a peek behind the counter with Tales from the Comic Shop, part of the Geek Nerd Network. Weekly on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Jen.